I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. It's Wednesday, June 22nd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Gas prices may be one of the most visible features of how the economy is doing. We constantly see the rising prices on every street corner. But even as higher prices are a pain, it isn't really the best metric for understanding the broader economy. It's not always the case that the economy is falling apart as prices rise and that it speeds ahead if prices are lower. Gas prices hit everyone differently, but as we see better fuel efficiency in richer households, a better indicator for how much pain at the pump is how much disposable income is being spent on gas. Rebecca Lieber, senior reporter at Vox, joins us for how that number is still relatively low at the moment. Next, a couple of recent stories about when an animal or even an artificial intelligence can be considered a person have sparked conversations on the evolving thought on who or what is deserving of moral consideration. First is Happy the Elephant, who was not granted legal personhood in a case in New York filed by the Non-Human Rights Project. Second is the story of the Google engineer who believed that an AI language model had become sentient. Expert consensus said that no, the AI had not gained sentience, and the engineer was put on leave. Kenny Torella, staff writer at Vox, joins us for what this says about us and how these questions will increasingly be raised. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. This idea that they don't have oil to drill and to bring up is simply not true. This piece of the Republicans talking about Biden shut down feels wrong. 9,000 of them. Joining us now is Rebecca Lieber, senior reporter at Vox. Thanks for joining us, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. Well, we're seeing it everywhere. High gas prices. The national average is about $5 a gallon. I live in California where it's much higher. It's about six thirty-two for 87 for the cheapest uh, gas. It's, it's pretty high here. You know, it's one of those markers that we see all around town. Higher prices just plastered everywhere at every corner gas station. But when we're talking about what gas prices do and don't tell us about the economy, you know, the conversation changes a little bit, right? As I mentioned, it's kind of that big billboard uh, style thing that we all see. But, you know, once we kind of drill down a little bit more and we talk about what it means with our disposable income, it kind of changes the conversation a little bit. So, Rebecca, tell us what we're seeing with these high gas prices right now. Yeah, you're absolutely right about how visible gas prices are. And I think obviously a lot of people have sticker shock. These prices are quite high and probably saw a lot of headlines in the last couple of weeks talking about historically high gas prices. Now, if we adjust that for inflation, that actually isn't true. 
So to beat the previous 2008 high, gas prices will have to go higher than $5.33. So we still have a little bit of a ways to go. But I wrote this piece basically trying to put this in a broader context because it's not actually just that absolute value we should be paying attention to, but putting it into context of how uh, much money and income households have. It's different for everybody, right? All the households are different. And for those that depend on gas a lot more for whatever it is, maybe, uh, you know, you're a landscaping business or something like that, and you need more gas even just to run those businesses. You know, the conversation is different for all the households. But, you know, right now what we're seeing is the price of crude oil go pretty high. And that's the biggest driver of all of these gas prices. And it's tough to go from there because, you know, we talk a lot about policies set in place to bring gas prices down. And we know that those are just like incremental decreases and increases that happen when they adjust stuff. It's really tough to just pass something, pass a law and bring down the price of gas by a dollar or more. Right. I think to understand what's going on with gas prices, we first have to understand what goes into driving these prices up. So like you said, crude oil is a major driver here and crude oil has been going up and that has a few different causes. One, of course, is Russia's war on Ukraine and sanctions that basically limit the amount of global supply. But there are a few other factors that play a smaller role, like taxes, federal and state level and refining costs. Now, taxes themselves are pretty marginal, even though we're seeing a lot of states suspending them. Um, That's actually the smallest percentage of what impacts gas prices. But refining costs are worth unpacking some more here because those costs have been going up significantly. We see in the U.S. um, and that this echoed around the world that refining capacity has actually decreased because of the pandemic. So we have fewer refineries and they're operating almost at full capacity. So the cost to refine oil into gasoline is going way up and that's reflected in these gas prices. Now, I also just want to briefly address what doesn't drive gas prices and that is drilling policies. So um, a lot of your listeners have probably heard in recent weeks Republicans claiming that President Biden's climate policies are impacting high gas prices. This is not true. Presidents actually have very limited control over gas price. And that's because when even if Biden were to open up lands for drilling, we're talking about multiple years of infrastructure that has to be laid into the ground, permits that have to be in place. And all of this really won't impact the current problems people are having. So um, the idea that the president really controls the faucet here is just inaccurate. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen that oil companies do have permits to drill in certain places. They just haven't really put any money into actually developing new wells and all that. So there is space for them to do it currently, but they're not taking advantage of all that, you know, whether it's because they want to keep some profits or not. That's kind of a different uh, discussion there. But so when you kind of put all this together, you know, and you have to also factor in, you know, what's going on in other parts of uh, our energy consumption, you know, we're relying more on other renewable energies and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, they switched to other options like electric uh, cars, public transportation. You know, everything's kind of broadening out on that front. Exactly. This is one of the really important points that I think is missed when people just see that uh, sticker shock from the high prices, and that is energy efficiency has improved. So when we're talking about prices rivaling that 2008 record, our fuel efficiency has gotten better since 
2008, we have stronger federal fuel economy standards that increase the mileage vehicles get. Hybrids are a lot more popular and electric vehicles are becoming more popular. Of course, like you said earlier, this is impacting people very differently depending on their lifestyle, depending on um, their their income. But we to put this all in one bucket that gas prices are historically bad here misses the fact that the same policies that tackle climate change also help people with the sticker shock from gas prices. And as you mentioned, too, when we put it back to the percentage that gas prices figure into our disposable income, all that has changed, too. And it's it's pretty low, it seems like, from some of the numbers that we're seeing. You know, obviously, through the pandemic, it was very, very low. But, you know, it could be anywhere between uh, 1.5 to 3.2 percent. You know, in 2021, you know, it's about that right now going up a little higher, possibly. But it is a low percentage of our household income. Yeah, exactly. Gas prices since the 1990s hasn't really risen above about 5% of average household income. And this is data from the Energy Information Agency. They show this over time. In my piece, I lay out a chart. And you see that 2008 record that that's when it spiked to 5%, which is an insignificant part of people's income. But then you see that decline. And Jumping forward to this year, it's still around 3% of disposable personal income, and the EIA doesn't really expect it to climb much higher. There are a few factors that are driving that, and um, one is that Americans saved more during the pandemic and through government stimulus programs. Americans, on average, are richer than they were, and that's a factor of inflation. That's a factor of stimulus programs. And we also have these energy efficiency standards. So um, we actually, that's, that I argue is the more important metric to be really paying attention to here of what percentage of people's costs this factors into rather than looking at that absolute number, because I think there's a lot more nuance when we look at this ratio than when we look at uh, the gas price line at your local station. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll keep monitoring how all this stuff is going. You know, we are still seeing gas price increases. And as we mentioned, you know, it's tough. It's just tough to see that when you keep seeing that number go up. Rebecca Lieber, senior reporter at Vox. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. When we look at the right at issue, which is the right to bodily liberty, which protects autonomy, and happy is autonomous by scientific proof, 
she should at a minimum have the same right as a similarly situated individual that also has autonomy. Joining us now is Kenny Torella, staff writer at Vox. Thanks for joining us, Kenny. Thanks for having me, Oscar. Well, I want to talk about two interesting stories that we got last week regarding uh, one was regarding an animal. The other one was regarding an artificial intelligence and whether or not they were basically a person, whether they had sentience. In New York, we were talking about Happy the Elephant. There was a legal battle over whether they can uh, classify her as a legal person, basically to get her out of the Bronx Zoo where she was at, where she's been for many, many years, and put her into an elephant sanctuary. And then on the AI side, we heard from a Google employee who got put on leave because he said one of the programs that they were working with called Lambda uh, has gained sentience. And there was a conversation surrounding all of that. You know, and it really kind of just, uh, it looks like, you know, these things kind of keep developing. We might be inching closer to saying, okay, yes, something may be a, a legal person now, but it draws all these questions out. So, Kenny, tell us a little bit about it. And we'll talk about them each individually as well. That's right. Yeah. So these, both of these cases, um, you know, I, I talked to a philosopher at New York University named Jeff Sebo, and, and what he told me was that these cases really express the ambivalence and uncertainty we have around big questions as to who is sentient, who is a legal person. And these definitions, of course, are going to shift over time. You know, hundreds of years ago, animals had no rights. And increasingly, they've had more and more rights. Of course, most animals are, are still in pretty bad um, conditions, especially on factory farms or in um, research laboratories. But our society is continually evolving around how we treat animals. And SIBO says that it could be the case that um, down the road, we might even be asking some of these questions about artificial intelligence. Yeah, and to the point, okay, so let's start with Happy the Elephant, right? They did not grant her legal personhood, but the decision came down from the court. There was seven judges involved in this. Five said no, two said yes, or, you know, let's consider that option right there. And, you know, to your point, right, a, a long time ago, that wouldn't even been on the table, really. That's right. And yeah, to back up and kind of explain who Happy is and why this case is, is controversial and also important. So Happy is an elephant who's, if you can believe it, over 50 years old. Um, she was born in 1971. People believe that in the late 1970s, she was taken um, from Thailand and brought to the Bronx Zoo. And for much of her life, she lived with other elephants. You know, elephants are herd animals. Um, but in the early 2000s, by that point, uh, nearly all of her companions had passed away. And so she's been in isolation for the last 15 years, living on around one acre. And so she's pretty much in, you know, in, in isolation and non-human rights project, uh, the animal rights group that brought this lawsuit uh, on behalf of Happy claims that these conditions are inhumane. They wanted to transfer her to, from the Bronx Zoo to an elephant sanctuary where she would have more space, might be able to get in, in or interact with more elephants. Um, and like you mentioned, you know, this case revolved around is happy technically a legal person. And now no one was arguing, not even the non-human rights project that happy is a human being. They were saying she's a legal person, which is a legal term for an entity with rights. So some countries have granted forests or bodies of water rights. Argentina granted 
um, an orangutan uh, legal personhood. And so there is some precedent here, although nothing like this has happened in the United States. And so it would have been the first of its kind. But ultimately, um, New York's highest court, the Court of Appeals, uh, ruled five to two that no, Happy is not a legal person um, and that they could not invoke habeas corpus to get her out of the zoo. And I think to me, what makes this case so interesting and um, important is that it does bring to bring these bigger questions to the fore as to, you know, why do only humans get to enjoy certain rights? Um, And the judges uh, in the majority opinion basically said, happy doesn't get to enjoy these rights because she's not a human. She's an elephant. And, they kind of stopped there. There were a few other reasons like, you know, this might be destabilizing because maybe then lots of other organizations would bring lawsuits on behalf of other animals and other zoos and aquariums and and so on and so forth. But the big idea here is who gets to be deemed a legal person and who doesn't. And uh, at least at this point in time, uh, animals cannot be deemed legal persons in the U.S., but the Non-Human Rights Project is is uh, trying to bring cases in other states as well. Yeah, and, you know, we know that elephants are very smart. We know that there's a lot of smart animals out there, but she even passed, the Happy the Elephant did pass the self-recognition mirror test where they make them go look in front of a mirror, they uh, analyze how they react, they put like a, a marker on her head to see if, you know, she touched it, basically signalizing, I see this on myself, I'm interacting with it. Uh, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. She's the first elephant ever that passed that test. Uh, you know, that's kind of, you know, along the lines of what they were using to try to prove that she was sentient, that she had that wherewithal so they can, could deem her a legal person. And uh, as you mentioned, it just didn't come down to it at this time. As you said, right, a lot of people, opponents of this would say it's just going to open the floodgates for all sorts of these other lawsuits. So that's that one instance. And then we have this other instance of the AI. So there was a uh, Google employee who was interacting with this chatbot, basically, and asking it all sorts of questions about uh, feelings and thoughts that it had, loneliness that it felt and whatnot. And, you know, a lot of experts said, well, okay, this thing doesn't rise to the level of being sentient, but it does draw into the conversations about that. As we said, right, uh, maybe years down the line, that's going to be a deeper conversation that we might be having. That's right. Yeah. So there was there was an engineer at Google who uh, feared that this um, artificial intelligence language model, it's essentially an artificial intelligence that's, um, according to my colleague Dylan Matthews at Vox, has been trained on trillions of words um, from online posts. And uh, that gives the language model an ability to uh, recognize and then reproduce patterns in human language. So you could, it's essentially a chatbot. You yeah. could be talking with this AI. It's called Lambda. Um, and essentially feel like you're having a conversation with another human. And, and that was enough that the, the AI was so convincing that it was another human that this engineer uh, actually, you know, wanted to raise the alarm bells and say, our AI has become sentient. And now AI experts say, no, this Google employee got it wrong. That's not what's happening. It's just good at imitating how a human would speak because it's been trained on how humans speak. Um, but it does bring up uh, bigger questions as you know, these artificial intelligences become more and more sophisticated. They can do um, things today that seemed unimaginable just decades ago. And so who knows um, how sophisticated artificial intelligence will be decades from now. And, 
you know, I have to admit, when I first heard this idea that you know, in, in AI had become sentient, I kind of laughed it off. I think most people um, have that first, that initial thought, right? You're like, okay, you know, because we hear about it in science fiction and whatnot. That's the first thing I think most people were thinking. That's right. That's right. And I started thinking, well, uh, maybe I shouldn't laugh it off because people, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago would have laughed off the idea that an animal should have rights. And now that's, uh, like you mentioned, that's on the table for discussion in the courts, in media, in culture. And so um, humans aren't always the best at predicting uh, what the moral landscape will look like down the road. And so we shouldn't rush to judgment just quite yet on whether an AI could become sentient. Yeah, you know, it's that whole evolving thought, right? And, you know, there were even some of the other programmers that were working on that Lambda experiment, the Google AI, you know, they also kind of were talking about, hey, you know, this could be something we will be talking about in the future. Maybe this first guy jumped the gun a little bit and went too quick. Uh, uh, But again, to the point of all this, right, these are the complicated conversations we're going to have going forward as the technology gets better, as people start looking for more rights for animals to protect them. It's all very interesting at its core, but we'll keep an eye out for other things. As you mentioned, there's already some other uh, things going on, at least on the animal side in California, where the Non-Human Rights Project is seeking lawsuits for some more animals, some more elephants, I believe. So, you know, we'll keep an eye out. We'll see how far this stuff goes. Kenny Torella, staff writer at Vox, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Oscar. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.